Hello and welcome to Shattered Lives, an informed, conversational, cutting-edge radio show in touch with today's issues that impact the lives of crime victims, addressing the aftermath of crime, forging a path for hope, building awareness, and empowering listeners for the future. This is Donna Argor, a.k.a. your host, with my co-host, Delilah Jones, president of ImaginePublicity.com, welcoming you uh, to today's show and to our, li- our library of weekly archive shows. It is our goal to make a difference. And I want to say um, hello, everyone. Um, we're welcoming you this October Saturday. And uh, unfortunately, I'm flying solo here uh, with Delilah attending a very important event for the Q Center. So um, I'm sure that she'll be catching this on the archives as, as many other people uh, are, but I want to let you know that um, today we have a, another groundbreaking, very cutting-edge show um, with regard to the issue of the aftermath of crime that that is um, that is still playing out. Today's today's show involves um, the the topic of homicide with regard to um, illegal immigrants and those who commit major crimes, and we have quite a show today because um, a a Connecticut family uh, in the New London area um, is is trying to change national policy with respect to, um, this is just becoming an epidemic as we can see from some very high profile cases. Um, So without without further ado, um, I'd like to um, introduce uh, Chester Fairley, who is an attorney in the New London area and an advocate for the Connecticut-based survivors of homicide, of which I am affiliated and one of the the, uh, founders way back when in the 80s, and uh, Wendy Hartling, who is the mother of Casey Chadwick, Whose, uh, whose case we are going to um, discuss at length today because I think, uh, like I say, it is very cutting edge. It is a very heart-wrenching story, something that never, never should have occurred. And there is failure at so many levels that, um, you know, our, our system just needs to be totally revamped with regard to these kinds of perpetrators. So, um I um, want to say uh, good morning, good morning, Chester, good morning, Wendy. Welcome to the Shattered Lives family of shows. It's an honor to have both of you on uh, today. Morning. Good, good morning, good morning. Donna. Thank, thank, good morning, and thank you for the opportunity to discuss um, the tragedy of um, Casey Chadwick's death and also uh, possibilities for national reform of uh, deportation policies. Yes, indeed, and it's my pleasure, and I'm so glad you brought this topic to the fore. Um, why don't we start with a little bit from, from your perspective, um, Chester, with regard to, here, you, you know, you're an attorney, you're, you're, in, you're um, an advocate, you've been around for many, many years, as I have with working with survivors of homicide of Connecticut, just wanted to um, have you, um, you know, we like to give the background of our guests first to kind of to kind of build the story so we understand the framework. Can you tell us how you, you derived your passion with regard to working with crime victims? Uh, I'll try. Uh, I started okay. <laughs> my career uh, as a criminal defense lawyer. Uh, I would uh, defend people in... Uh, cases, serious felony cases uh, through appointments uh, from the uh, Superior Court Upper Division, and Mm -hmm. I did, I I represented people on charges of murder, attempted murder, robbery, assaults, Um, but after about 10 or 15 years, uh, I realized I was losing my enthusiasm for that uh, type of uh, lawyer service, and uh, when a lawyer does not uh, give or feels he cannot, he or she cannot give zealous representation, 
it is best for that lawyer to step back and seek some type of work where they can be uh, emotionally committed. And, and that is how I transitioned over to representing crime victims. Uh, well, and then, that's, I think that's very commendable because there are many people in the, the lawyering business, if I can call it that, that, that maybe just kind of uh, don't realize that, that fork in the road and where they need to make a change. I do know of some who go on um, to other endeavors. We've had uh, David Lebanon, for example, who has the Association for Prosecuting Attorneys who uh, in the Washington area who really are committed to, to crime victims. So you're in that category. So I really commend you for doing this, and I'm sure that, um, it's it, it's a tribute uh, to to all of us that you make that commitment. And uh, Wendy, you're you're an example uh, of this. And how, Wendy, can you tell us how you came to how you, how you came to meet Chester uh, and uh, you know the beginnings of this for you? Um, first, I heard the first I heard I believe I heard from the court appointed. Um, Victim advocate, and then Chester got in touch with me and explained what he he was all about, and I came to see him, and that that's how it started, and we're still we're still together, we're we're still fighting. Um, he's a wonderful wonderful person. I'm so glad I have him representing me, and um, also. Um, wanted to point out that um, I, I myself am representing um, my ex-husband, Jeff, Casey's father, and her stepmother, Wendy, because all three of us and the Hartlings and the Chabot's family are uh, very much involved in wanting, you know, wanting this change to happen for um, um, deportation laws, and et cetera. Absolutely. Donna, it's very, go ahead. Go ahead, Chester. Don, I wanted to... Uh, also thank you because of the tragic loss uh, of, of, of your dad, I believe. Um, right. And to thank just you. comment that um, the, the survivors of homicide uh, phrase refers to family members, loved ones, close friends of someone who's been killed. And right. what, what, we, what we encounter... Uh, is that survivors um, seem to be suddenly dropped into a very dark place yes. and sometimes see no light and no way out and sometimes the despair is crippling and overwhelming and I, I'd like to thank you for your your efforts to try to uh, intervene and to help people see that there can be um, a recovery uh, and thank you for your efforts. I, I know I see you at the uh, uh, Melanie Rieger Memorial Conference uh, Against Violence in Connecticut. Um, uh, uh, Wanda and, and uh, Sam Rieger are mutual friends of yourself and right. I mean <laughs> Uh, uh, Absolutely. They were one of the, incidentally, they were one of the first couples on, or one of the first shows. This show has been going continuously every week for over three and a half, uh, uh, three and a half years. And um, I'm very proud of that, and we're very proud of keeping up the quality and the continuity and the subject matter that no one else talks about. So I'm very happy that they were one of the you to introduce the show, including Jan Smolinski was one of the one of the first um, sort of founding members of Survivors of Homicide. So thank you so much for that, Chet, and I, I really do appreciate that, and I just want to say that when we were talking off air, Wendy and I, when, when this first happens to us in the acute stages, we're so engrossed in our own grief and trying to deal with the criminal justice system and all the other layers that we can't see what's down the road and that there is, in fact, an opportunity to evolve. My dad's homicide happened 34 years ago. We had to contend wow. with a parole hearing that never should have been, like, 
two or three years ago, and we got through that. I have now evolved. I write prolifically. I have a big presence online. I do this radio show. I'm going to be working with the Grief Diaries, which is very exciting as an adventure. So just to let you know, Chet and Wendy and everyone listening, there is that possibility of not forgetting our loved one or all this that happens, but we do other very positive things in their memory as time goes on when we are capable of moving on and and doing things within their name, okay? So that's my little speech about that. And and it is so true. And I know that you will be able to do this in time, Wendy, too. I know you have the motivation. So with with that, yeah, with that backdrop, um, we're going to get into in just – in just a, a couple of minutes, more details about about Casey and the, in order to set the stage further, can you can you tell us? You know, this is a homicide deportation case with national imp- implications. Can you can you tell us? Um, you know, why you were you were so impassioned to take this case and give us an overview of of this case and how it fits into the national scene. All right, uh, thanks. Um, this, in this situation, uh, Jean Jacques, uh, a uh, Haitian, uh, came into the United States, uh, uh, it appears uh, lawfully, uh, we don't, I, I say it appears, uh, we don't yet know the full details, but uh, he did get uh, work, uh, work permit and driver's license and had been here for uh, about four years, and he was charged with uh, murder and attempted murder for a double shooting in Norwich, Connecticut, uh, about 20 years ago. He was found guilty of uh, uh, attempted murder and sentenced to 20 years in Connecticut correctional system. Uh, Mm -hmm. He was then transferred to the uh, facilities for higher-risk and uh, high-security prisoners. And ICE, which is the uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement arm of Homeland Security at the federal level, ICE was notified uh, because because of the guy's conviction. He he then became... uh, Uh, subject to automatic deportation at the end of his sentence. Automatic meaning no further appeals, uh, no discretionary findings. Uh, He's supposed to be gone from the U.S. Uh, And and so ICE was notified around 2002. Uh, Then the guy served uh, about 15 years of his sentence, Uh, ICE was notified uh, and took custody of him from Connecticut Correctional and held the guy for seven months because uh, ICE said there was, uh, Haiti was not satisfied that the guy was originally from from the country of Haiti. Now, this seems a little odd. Yeah, this seems a little odd since he did come in legally uh, in the beginning, and so there had to be a paper trail of country of origin, Um, and so that seemed very odd, but Haiti declined to take him back. Now, under deportation, uh, we can't just send a plane and a parachute over uh, a a country of origin and uh, ease the guy out the door and say good luck. Uh, The country has to... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh The country has to accept him. So Haiti would not accept him because they said they were not satisfied of country of origin. Uh, I don't know what went wrong with the paperwork or why ICE did not fix that problem. But then he was was, uh, released by ICE pending resolution of his deportation claim. That means that ICE uh, had determined that they could not yet deport him because of a paperwork uh, 
country of origin problem, and uh, they released him somehow, uh, it it appears, either on bail uh, or uh, on a a promise that he... (laughs) that when they resolved this case, he would voluntarily come back and be deported. Um, well, Chef, how long would that process normally take to find the correct country of origin? Well, uh, normally, uh, uh, Donna, your question, I don't know, but the important thing is here, they had 15 years. Oh. Uh, and and uh, they had they, the problem was identified in 2002, when he was a prisoner in Connecticut. And then for right. 15 years, ICE uh, did not follow up or fix it. And so they sat on it. And then the guy was released by ICE. He violated Connecticut parole. He was sent back to finish his 20 year term, released again to ICE, and ICE released him back into society the same day. So something uh, uh, terribly wrong, something went terribly wrong at the level of ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Then he was out uh, for a few months and uh, killed uh, Casey Chadwick in Norwich. My goodness. This is is absolutely horrendous. I mean, I can't can't say that. And, you know, I just want to say at this point, Wendy, um, we can't ex- express our condolences enough. This never, ever, ever should have happened. Um, we, we make no judgment about people and what the circumstances were in their lives. Sometimes it's just, you know, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Sometimes you have a difficult life. Uh, uh, but it, it matters not. This, this is just abs- this um, boils my blood, you know, to hear these details. So I just want to say we, we are... We send our absolute condolences about this, but I think, um, can you, would you feel comfortable at this juncture? Uh, first of all, telling us a bit about who your daughter was as a person when she was alive, and then maybe sharing some of the circumstances surrounding the death to kind of fill in the next piece. Casey, Casey did have a, 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 a tough life, but. Um, uh, she was still, regardless of the tough life, she was still a great daughter. Um, she called me, uh, we text her, talk every single solitary day. Um, uh-huh. um, and I would go over to her house uh, and watch movies and stuff with her and her boyfriend. And um, mm-hmm. one of the things, Casey um, uh, would never uh, open that door unless you told, told her who it was. And, um, but we, we, we were, she was 25. We were starting to be really good. We were like best friends, you know, if I, if I uh-huh. didn't hear from her. Oh, and also like, I'm not a very good driver. And, um, if there was ever an accident on 395 or whatever, she would call me. She would call me to make sure it wasn't me. And she was like, oh. mom, are you home? She really, seriously. And, um. She checked she up was, on you in a maternal way. Time. Yeah. All the time. Uh-huh. She was beautiful. She was a beautiful, beautiful girl, and um, um, she knew this guy. What were her? And what were she knew her the guy. I'm sorry. Say what were again? her aspirations in life? What did she want to do? She was what a was CNA. She was a yeah. CNA. A certified and, um, Yeah. Exactly. She was very good at it. She hadn't worked in a couple of years, and she just got her job back. She just got a CNA job. I was going for uh-huh. my CNA license because we were both, uh, we, Casey, myself, and my daughter, Erin, who's 16, we were going to get an apartment together. And I, so I was oh, going okay. for my CNA, my CNA as well, even though Casey told me I'm a cripple and that um, she didn't want me to do it at all. She was adamant about me not becoming a CNA, but I was going to do it anyway because we both, we both were going to have to work if we were going to get a, an apartment. But we were very excited right. about that, that prospect of getting. We were already looking at apartments, and um, uh, we were very excited about that. I was halfway. So you with you the had class. you had a plan. You had a plan yes. with her. Yes, I was halfway through the CNA course. It was a crash two week course. I was halfway through it when this happened, and I didn't even find out 
until uh, her girlfriend, her best friend, Krista, uh, called me and said, you got to call, you know, the the police. You got to call 911. What, what, what happened leading up to this, um, Wendy? What were the circumstances well, maybe on that day of the crime? I, I had seen her the day before Saturday. It happened in the wee hours of uh, the next that night. That that night, I had she was doing her laundry down at the house. We said, you know, I love you, goodbye, always. And uh, that night, I texted her, and she texted me back. And again, we always say we love each other at at the end of every text. And apparently, that night, we he, his nickname was Zoe, and. Um, she had um, texted her boyfriend Bugs to tell her that Zoe was there, and um, and then Bugs now who is Zoe? T- Zoe? Zoe is Zoe? the guy that's in, yeah, that's John Jock. It's the killer. The killer. Okay, the and she knew she knew, she knew him. him. She had a prior relationship. Not not boyfriend or girlfriend. An acquaintance. Yeah, an acquaintance. Enough enough to let that he was in her apartment. In her apartment, okay. and that, if she was, if he was in her apartment, that means they were friends. And, okay. Um, so then, Buck, she called her boyfriend, and Bugs talked to him too. So everything was cool. So, um, uh, definitely uh, drug related with um, and um, with with this Zoe guy. And I mean, but they, you know, they used to cook dinner for her and give him rides and. It's just part of the problem so they, here, Donna, is that yes. the guy, the Haitian, who's already yes. been convicted of uh, attempted murder, they didn't know that background. They knew him. He worked actually right. at a East Lime uh, restaurant as a chef. He had uh, 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 ICE had gotten him a work permit and a car. Uh, uh, helped him get a driver's license, as, and, and it appears that the guy supplemented his income from drug sales, mm-hmm. um, and that uh, Casey and her boyfriend knew him, but they did not know his history. Right. And there was they nowhere. Didn't know his they, they didn't know that other part. So that, other and there was nowhere. Nowhere for them to go to find that information. So he he just blends right in like he was uh, just just another guy around town. Well, uh, why why is that? Is would you have been? I mean, if uh, freedom of information. um, I mean, who would? What average person would would be looking up information? If they've just invited somebody over their apartment and they're they're giving them a meal or a ride, I exactly. mean, where would you normally? Yeah, where would you it's normally like, find this information? You could go online. You could you can go online and find out, put anybody's name, and I think it costs money, but you can find out people's backgrounds. But what are you going to well, do that? Is that like a natural thing to do? Well, you no. Know? There's Not another more. piece to this, and ironically. Okay and almost perversely, excuse that word, but ICE says uh, that the personal information of an immigrant who's been already convicted of an aggravated crime and who's supposed to be deported, ICE says this is confidential information and won't You have it. got so, to be kidding. You have got to be so kidding. You call, That's confidential? You, you're going to go nuts when you hear the rest of the story. Uh, they say, oh, this is personal information of the guy, and the public is not entitled to that. ICE, in effect, oh. becomes a ba- a barrier between the yeah. public's uh, concern and the right to check up on uh, who's who under immigration and deportation. ICE says this is personal. They don't want to release it. The Boston Globe went to court to force ICE to re- reveal the names and addresses uh, of people who were supposed to be deported, convicted of aggravated crimes, and then released back into society. ICE resisted, 
the Boston Globe won the case at the trial level, and then ICE appeals and is still trying to block release of this information. So wow, how, how prolific I, is this? how prolific is this? How many how many um, people are we talking in terms of people who have already committed crimes well, and should be deported? All right, very good question. And what we want to do, uh, Donna, is to clarify that we are we have no complaints about immigrants. Uh, <laughs> In a way, we're all immigrants, but this is not right. an attack on immigrants in general. Uh, absolutely. This, that's our that's what I put in my post, that this was not an yes. indictment, but my earlier post this week was, this is not an indictment of immigrants, just the just the murdering kind, whether they be uh, yeah. illegal or legal. Yeah. You know, Un- that's what I said. The, so, again, thank you. Yes, under the immigration code, uh, yes. Any any immigrant coming in on uh, status legal or illegal who commits mm-hmm. uh, a ag- aggravated crime as defined under the immigration code, these are murder, rape, robbery, serious assault, acts of terrorism even, um, yes. they, once found guilty of one of those offenses, they are then to be automatically deported at the end of their uh, state court sentences uh, or, or their federal court sentences. So these mm-hmm. are the people we're talking about, not immigrants in general. These are those who have, because of their actions and their convictions, been found guilty of an aggravated and uh, therefore serious felony. These are the people who okay. should be moved back to their countries of origin. Another thing, they don't have to go back to the country of origin if ICE can find another place that will take them. So for ICE to say, in this case, oh, there were problems with his paperwork uh, and Haiti, that does not answer the question of what else did ICE do to move him out of the U.S. so that he did right. not well, endanger the public. Bad. Sure. That begs the question is, how inclined are other countries going to be to accept somebody like this person when the the supposed country of origin uh, rejects them? I mean, does this happen? They're like, okay, we'll take them. Under what circumstances would other countries take them? Um, good question. Now, here's the problem <laughs> that... That, yes. that that the uh, U.S. foreign policy confronts on deportation. We mm-hmm. like to think that we are a country of laws and that we will protect our citizens by deporting uh, those immigrants who have been convicted of dangerous offenses. If the, the, the federal agencies are very proud to say, yep, we're here to serve the public. The problem is that... The, the, the other countries can control our foreign deportation policies by saying, we don't want the guy. Have, take him somewhere else. Go, go somewhere else. Um, right. Those are called the, uh, the treaties that they have with countries that do receive are called repatriation treaties. Um, and uh, those there's only about a dozen and mostly smaller countries who will not take anyone back. Um, now, this is also tied in, or should be, in our opinion, tied into foreign aid and visas, which are controlled by uh, the federal government. So that if a country will not cooperate in taking back its citizens, then they should be subject to review of how much foreign aid, Uh, we give them how much charitable aid we give them and whether we give uh, visas to their citizens who want to come to to the United States. So there there is leverage that our country has to reassert its ability to control deportation. The problem is if at the federal level the throttle, the gas, to to speed up deportation, if we eat... 
If the government policy is to ease back on the throttle and slow down deportations, then we are being controlled by forces outside the country, you know, other countries. Right, into how, how you know, into enforce those sanctions, um, you know, how how likely are they, you know, are they to do that? Um, you know, 50% of the time do they say, are, do they do they hold hard and fast to this, or is it, you know, on a case by case basis, or depends on the country or whatnot? This is very very complex and bureaucratic, and you know, at the victim level, Wendy, you just got to say, you know what, uh, this is so unjust. But I yeah. I'm concerned about getting justice for my daughter. You must have said this, and now we didn't we failed to say. What the time frame was of this? When did this occur? Occur, Wendy? Um, I'll never forget. June fifteenth. This year. What this year? year. It's very fresh. This is new. This, this is developing year. news. Okay. Right. Okay. This year. Okay. It was this year. So you know, it, 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 this is um, fascinating information. It's horrific information with respect to this and. So I, I I think you you've given us a wonderful um backdrop in terms of the forces that come to be, uh, Chester, with regard to what you're dealing with here. We're not even getting to our own criminal justice system because there's so many bureaucratic layers here. But with regard uh so now that we know sort of the scope of what we're dealing with here, getting back to the sort of um, scenario of the, the day of the crime, the crime scene. Um, Wendy, is is it true that, okay, this this chef supposedly um, was in your daughter's apartment. What transpired from there? I can I can only guess, but um, okay. But if this is, I think, a pretty good guess. Um, okay. Um, there was drugs left in her apartment um, from her boyfriend, and um, I believe that this guy, who is a this uh, what's the his name, John, yes, Jacques? John Jock, yes. who they called uh, uh, Zoe, I believe that he was probably already high, and um, he wanted those drugs. And I believe Casey is a little fighter. She is a little spitfire, and I, I believe I, uh, that she fought him. He did have defensive wounds on on him, and I believe she fought him because she she knew what he was going to do, and um, um, and um, I wish she hadn't. I wish well, she just to take it and go. Uh, she, he also stole all her beautiful jewelry, and. Um, uh, uh, he got caught. That um, her boy. Of course, uh, they questioned the boyfriend first, of course. And um, when he got finished being questioned and let go, he saw Zoe, uh, Jean Jacques, uh, getting re- arrested. And um, what happened was that he got arrested. Uh, undercover cop. Uh, uh, he sold drugs to somebody, but it was set up. And um, mm-hmm. and a couple of days later, they you know uh, went into his apartment. I don't know what that's called, but and they found Casey's blood and uh, on his clothes and 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 jewelry mm-hmm. and her jewelry. Is that all right? Now, okay. and was he what? Just so that we're clear, she was alone in the apartment, and her boyfriend was, was somewhere else. Exactly. And he he came to visit, and. Probably these drugs were out in plain sight. Because he wouldn't yes. have been going searching through drawers or something, right? No, I bet you they were right on. I can just imagine they were on the coffee table. I bet this is all I'm. This is okay. of course the imagining, right? Imagining, speculation. Okay, yes, it's speculation. But um, that is what um, uh, her boyfriend's same speculation, and um, you know. Um, uh, I just want to, uh, Donna. Uh, the uh, sure the case is the case against the guy is pending in state court. Um, okay. We don't. We don't. Wendy, I uh, don't know what happened when Jacques went in because 
Casey was killed, and Jacques is the only witness, and so far he's saying nothing. So we was this know. a stabbing or a shooting or yeah. just a physical yeah. attack, a blunt force trauma, yeah. or what? What do you think? Well, yeah, we can we can say it's been released. It was a stabbing, multiple stabbings. It was it was a stabbing. Okay, and then she then he put her put her in the closet. Oh my goodness! So the, the police uh, uh, properly are uh, not releasing the information because. The case is pending. The defendant will have his right to a trial, and so the the full details are not yet known. Okay, and how, not yet no, how did the not feds, yet known to us. How does the Fed play into this with in terms of the trial, um, Chester, with ICE Excuse and all me? of that? Does this be, how do the federal how do the feds play into this with um? With regard to the involvement or non-involvement with ICE, is this going to be well, an extra long, protracted trial process because of this? Well, uh, I, uh, I, I, uh, uh, I mean, the <laughs> let's put it this way: <laughs> a, guy, a guy or a lady uh, who of immigrant status who commits an uh, aggravated crime. Uh, yes. is supposed to be deported at the end of this sentence. Uh, I have been to sentencings of um, immigrants, and they are warned by the judges that they, if they're found guilty or there's a plea, uh, they, they, they could be subject to deportation. States' attorneys and judges think that these people are going to be deported at the end of their sentences. And now to find out that a, 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 a significant number of them are not deported, but in fact are released back into society, is a shock to states' attorneys and judges because the ICE is supposed to deport them. So uh, it, it, it is. It is a. This case is a terrible warning to the public and the criminal justice system that uh, people who they think are going to be deported at the end of their sentences. Uh, may end up back on the streets. Well, here's I'm playing devil's advocate here. Why not deport them before the trial and have them have them banished to to their the country of origin and, and well, get them out right away? Well, uh, well, uh, <laughs> you know, under due process, even even uh, uh, Ill, illegal immigrants have certain due process rights. Uh, our, our, in this country, uh, yeah, our, our U.S. Supreme Court has even extended the rights of due process to people who are here illegally. Um, but let's yeah. say that let's say that this guy was here lawfully, uh, pro- properly papered. Uh, he has the right of due process uh, on his original offense, uh, mm-hmm. and if he's not guilty. Uh, uh, that's one thing, but if he is guilty, he goes into the system, um, and so uh, and then and our tax t- dollars pay for this guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, just, that, yeah, that's yes, a go good ahead. point because look, look at the tragedy or the double tragedy of what happens with uh, Jean Jacques in this case. He is supposed to be deported and removed from the country. Instead. ICE fails in its duties to deport him, releases him back into society. He is then in a Norwich, uh, a New London County area. He commits a murder, which is a tragedy to the Chadwick family and all the loved ones. So the citizens are harmed. Then the state charges him, probably will imprison him for the rest of his life, so we pick up a tab of close to $2 million to incarcerate this guy who should have been drawn from the country. Oh, this, this is, a, oh my God, this is, a, and what accountability does, does ICE have? What, All right, who's, good. What good, sanctions good would there be in something like this? Well, uh, 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 I, I think an impediment to justice is called government immunity, and that is in certain cases, uh, certain wide areas of government action, they can't, be, they cannot be sued. This is established as government policy. So, 
here you have a case, well, let's not take this one, but let's take some other case where ICE uh, messes up, does not deport, tragedy follows, and then if a claim is brought, they stand behind government immunity, and they say, well, you can't sue us anyway. Uh, so now, nothing. Not, They're not accountable not, at all. Yeah, because civil litigation and civil claims do, uh, shall we say, pull back the curtain on practices and procedures so that the light of justice can can be can shine in um, and and help with reform. And when an agency is protected by immunity, um, I, I, I think that potential for uh, the public spotlight is diminished. Uh, it's just incredible. So if if um, this were to be that there was somebody civilly that the Chadwick family could sue. I'm not saying that they would be pursuing these means. Is there some kind of remedy with regard to this if it's not the federal government agency? I mean, what kind of recourse does this family have? The Well, the claims against the federal government would be under the Federal Tort Claims Act. Uh, this is a procedure to address... Um, the, the claims of carelessness uh, by employees of state, uh, I mean, employees of uh, federal agencies. Um, I don't want to c comment now on whether that will be successful. It will, it will be attempted, but uh, right. its ultimate outcome, I have, I have uh, that is sure. the remedy for claims against uh, employees of federal agencies. I see. Well, uh, you know, I, I just I understand, uh, you know, because this is so uh, so relatively new, and that's why I, I think it's great that we have the opportunity to speak to you at this juncture. And maybe I'm just thinking out loud here. Maybe in the future, when uh, things get farther down the road or whatnot, and if you'd like to come back, you are more than welcome to give us an, an update because this is an evolving story for sure. Um, with with regard to uh uh what what level are there different um uh fact, factions who have been very cooperative uh what kind of cooperation and or resistance have you gotten thus far are there people that stand out wendy in your mind that have been very very helpful to you and 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 to the contrary um chester and Bethann? Bethann Hess. Bethann Hess. Victim Advocate. Victim Advocate. Um, I, I've only made um, uh, one meeting to the survivors of homicide because, unfortunately, this has not been a good year for me. My father just suffered a massive stroke. So, um, And I heard that. My condolences. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping he's doing well in rehabilitation. Well, he, he, he's... He, he, he's getting there. He's getting there. Good. But um, good, good. In in and in, in, I'm always asking Casey to to be with her her grandfather and take you know sure. be with him at all times. And um, I you know what I originally forgot your question. I'm sorry. Can you repeat I'm it? I'm sorry. Was I was just... who who has been helpful to you, okay. or who has been not helpful not been. to you? <laughs> I was the only the only people that have been been not helpful are the people who just don't understand. People who don't understand that, you know, how many people can you say to, oh, my daughter was murdered? You know, how many people can say that? Not many. And so so even in my own family, not really, but they they don't quite understand why I'm still crying, I'll cry, or I'll look at her picture and and or something like that and you know they unless you've walked in and yourself in our shoes a lot of people just don't understand it they just yes, they just absolutely. don't and, they, and the even only within go ahead i was just going to say so the only negativity i've gotten is from mm -hmm. people that are close to me and um within your own family Yes, not my mom or, or, or friends like that, huh? Right. It's
it's very common among people, maybe coworkers or friends, and they they well, sometimes I, feel as if, well, it's been six months. You should get over this and move on. If that's yeah, the, or if that's the uh, sentiment that you're getting, this is very very common, and it and it's so um, it's so unjust because this is something that's continually evolving, and there's different stages of grief, as you know, and you're going yep. to go. Two steps forward and three steps back. And even within your own family, there are different people. There are people that cope differently and handle it differently. So I would encourage you, as you know, survivors of homicide, regardless of what state it's in, if there is something like that, the peer peer support group is so very important because that is your lifeline right now. And if you yes, can get yes. to more meetings so that you can get to people who are really understanding because you're going to find people in the general public that, although this is so prolific, you know, murder happening, there's still a lot of families where it doesn't happen or they say, this cannot happen to me, which is very unrealistic, that exactly, you need to exactly. be with, at this juncture in your life, you need to be with people who are, experiencing this to to drive your strength and to move on and to try to deal with those people within your family to say, you know, that's just how they feel and I have to respect that, but I have to do what I have to do for my daughter. And I think it's very comfortable. You know, and my friends friends on Facebook have been great and supportive. It's like, and my mother's great. It's just like, you know, um, my my kids are great, and um, it's just just some family close close. Family. It's just they just don't they just don't understand, and I can't I can't I just I just like try try to just ignore them and you know and just go on. Right. Well, it it may be that way, you know, for time to come, where they may evolve, they may change their perspective, depending. But you have to do what you have to do. Um, uh, Chester, with regard to um, the the whole goal of uh, uh, using this case as sort of a platform to help change policy, what um, national? What's going? What is what is your? I guess we could say realistic goal after after the trial or as simultaneously what you're trying to do to advocate to make this come to the fore. We have not spoken about the San Francisco case, which is is different, but certainly in the in the same ballpark. What if you'd like to contrast it with that case and talk about what is it in the future that you are going to try to do? We have about eleven minutes or so, just to let you know <laughs> for the rest all of right. our show. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, all right. Well, uh, fine, fine question. Important question. Um, now, what we have found is that the question of deportation of uh, immigrants who commit aggravated crimes, even though it is set forth in the laws of the nation at the federal level, and even though there are duties and responsibilities that the the process uh, uh, is is uh, to a, to a frightening degree failing. Now to address that will probably require some change in uh, the immigration codes at the federal level, and it's as if uh, there's this huge uh, balloon of controversy and. Uh, important questions around immigration policies, and as you press into that balloon saying deportation is not working, you then receive the pushback of the whole uh, world of questions about immigration, uh, Senate bills, House of Representative bills, Republicans, Democrats, and it makes it very difficult to bring up a piece of that and say this is dangerous to the public and needs to be changed. Um, sure. Whether there will be success in that in the future is hard to tell. Um, 
there are a number of Republicans, particularly in the House of Representatives, who have tried to raise uh, legislation to improve uh, and tighten up on deportation policies, especially for the uh, ones who commit aggravated crimes. Unfortunately, those pieces of legislation have not gained traction, probably because, uh, or in part, because they're by Republican sponsors with a Democratic uh, administration, and also because it's very difficult to raise up a piece of immigration policy and to change it without getting bogged down in the whole mm-hmm. immigration uh, it, it has to be part of a, a big package of immigration and somewhere in the fine print that's part of it? Probably, uh, yeah, if we, it, it, that's right, that's the problem. And as soon as you become, or the advocates, as, uh, as uh, some of us are becoming, uh, as we become involved in that, uh, there's a risk we'll get swallowed up by political give and take on other parts of immigration policy. So it is, uh, it is a challenge, but that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that we're not going to try. Well, that's wonderful. What, what, is, your, what is your commitment, I mean, beyond, beyond the trial? I know you've been working on this for quite some time, and you've been a really good friend and advocate to survivors of homicide for many years. Um, and I'm just wondering what, I mean, is this a cause you're you're wanting to take on, and until the until the bitter end, on behalf of this family and other people, or are you very invested in well, this? Well, well, yes, uh, emotionally uh, invested. Yeah. Uh, I take uh, in my practice very few cases now. Uh, I only take those where I feel uh, an emotional uh, commitment. Uh, fortunately, uh, I'm at this stage in my career when I can make those choices, and so mm-hmm. this is uh, this is one of those cases. Thank you. This is one of those cases. Very good. What is it that um, I know by by having this radio show? I think we're we're assisting um, uh, Wendy and her family and you in this cause. But are there other things that listeners can do, or are there? Um, for you at this juncture, or there is, is there, um, for example, any particular uh, reference references uh, that people should go to if they want to learn more or contact information? I mean, we still have about six minutes or so, and I have a few other questions, but I wanted to get this in in terms of we don't want this to be the end because this we're just opening the door on this, and if we can help further, we want people to know. Uh, all right, uh, Wendy, do you want, want me to comment, or you want to? No, you know about right. the. Um, well, I do think it's important uh, to have uh, a good communication with uh, Representative Joe Courtney and Senators uh, Richard Blumenthal and Chris Murphy. Uh, I would like. We have had some uh, contact with them. Uh, I would like to have more, um, so that they can help us with the. Um, uh, congressional uh, uh, actions. Um, mm-hmm. are, are there like a petition with regard to the, the this issue or this case, or, or with because the, you're, you're just starting the trial process? This is not this is not the case, or what? Well, well, it's still uh, it's still just been a couple of months that we've been all you know our our, our group, including Wendy and her family. Uh, uh, that we've been uh, yeah, it's still you know, new. Try, trying to get traction here. Sure. Um, uh, there are also some uh, national organizations that are starting to um, uh, starting to see this problem. I, one problem is it's below the radar of the public in general. I mean, that's why your show and 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 including this topic are important because mm-hmm. this is really under the public radar. Um, we don't see the ways in which we, the citizens of the country, are being failed by the ICE uh, uh, deportation policy. Um, and, and hopefully, as we get public awareness, 
um, there will be more support. So the first step is awareness. Um, right. Uh, now, another thing you mentioned, I mean, you have mentioned, and thank you, is the uh, efforts of groups like survivors of homicide. Um, part, and I've been with uh, the, the SOH group for probably around 15 years, uh, and they, they, uh, some of the survivors who go on to become advocates, uh, including yourself and including Wendy, uh, have done wonderful things uh, uh, to contribute to understanding the consequence of violence. Um, and so that's also part of what yes. we'll, be, we'll, we'll be part of. Uh, uh, there is a survivors of homicide statewide number. Someone can run it on Google, find their office in Wethersfield, and contact uh, Jessica, our victim advocate. Uh, uh, and uh, yes, she's been can... on this show a couple. She's been on this show a couple of times, and she's a good friend and advocate to to, uh, oh, yeah. to us as well. So you well, know, we, uh, we we try to communicate with the best people here. But with regard to, um, uh, I'm just wondering, uh, do, do, Wendy, do you have do you have hope that uh, after the trial process is over, that things will improve, or whatever your efforts might be in the future, that this will this will improve for the next family, and that you will somehow pave the way in this? Are you very excited about kind of despite your tragedy, jumping in with both feet? Yes, yes, yes. I definitely, I want, I want there to be a change in the law. I would love there to be a Casey's law. And um, I'd also, I'm really interested in becoming an advocate for other people that, you know, I hate to say that, but if this happens to other people, I would like to be an advocate. I know that can't happen right, right away because I'm still too fresh with this, but... What would the Casey's law consist of? I want in our I want it to, to be for the immigration's law to change. If you're if mm-hmm. if ICE is involved, they've got to and the federal government. These things have to be changed because, like I said, he was released the day he got out of jail and um, this this past time and he and well, I think that I believe it was January and he killed my daughter in June. So yeah, something. That's- something that's got to be changed, and Absolutely. you know, not have, you know how there's a, a, a sexual offenders list, right? Well, then right. if you're in the you, sexual offenders list and you got to know if they're in your neighborhood, then what's if, if somebody committed murder? Why why shouldn't um, there be a there list, be a like, list that like that? Addresses, you know? Absolutely. That well, that is certainly a good goal, and we have to keep pushing our legislators as well. Um, Ted, I might give you the last word here in about the last minute. Is there a particular message that you'd like to convey to us or some some um, factual information that maybe we have not hit on that you would like to end the show with? Uh, well, all right, let's see. Uh, we we are, uh, as as I've described this, this incident and our organizing of efforts around the problem is just getting off the ground. Uh, we right. hope to have a website called fixdeportation.org. Uh, uh, we're Fix in the process of des- uh, we're in the yeah. process of designing that and mounting information that should be maybe in the next months. It should be up. Um, People can call me at my office uh, at yep. 860-443-5297. I invite people who may want to call about um, deportation problems or challenges or whether they can assist us. And I also don't mind calls from survivors, uh, especially in Connecticut, uh, so that we can work them, work with those folks um, in our groups. Well. Well, that that's great, and uh, you know, perhaps I can give you some if you need some help with website or there are free resources as well. But we will talk off air. We're going to have to uh, conclude this show right now. So I say thank you so much, Chester. Thank you so much, Wendy, and please do keep in touch. 
that is okay. uh, that we're going to close out for uh, for this edition of Shattered Lives. Thank you, everyone. Be sure to go to DonnaGore.com, and we'll see you next Saturday. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Okay.